Good day, everybody. My name is Dennis Curtis, and this is the Clean Soul Podcast. Today, I want to talk about three foundations of sin. I'm going to name it right off the bat. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's kind of a tough subject, but I do want to go over it. Lust is the English word that is translated from a Greek word that simply means strong desire. And in the New Testament, this word is used positively and mostly negatively. So I want to read a couple of positive verses. Luke twenty-two fifteen. This is Jesus talking before he's going to be crucified. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's the same Greek word that's used for lust in lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Another one is Philippians 1.23. Here we have Paul, and he's talking about going to be with the Lord or staying and doing ministry for Christ. Philippians 1.23, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So here we have two positive places where the word is used. But as we look through the New Testament, it is overwhelmingly used for a negative, in a negative context. So let's get the background. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Where did this come from? Why is this the foundation for sin? Genesis, we go back to Genesis, and Adam and Eve were placed in this perfect atmosphere, this paradise, the Garden of Eden. But they decided to obey Satan instead of God. God set up all the trees, all the food, this beautiful place. And he said, but don't eat from this tree, because when you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. Adam and Eve were tempted, though, by Satan. Satan came in and lied about God and lied about God's circumstances or, or uh, the punishment of sin. Genesis 3, 6. <clears throat> when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So right here we have lust of the flesh. She saw that it was good for food and she wanted some of it. Then it was pleasing to the eye. It must have been a beautiful fruit. And this Hebrew word pleasing means to be greedy, a desirous greed. I want it for myself. And then also desirable for gaining wisdom. She wanted to know what God knew so she could make her own decisions. And this desire is like a covetous desire. I have, I want what you have, God. So there it is. Lust of the flesh because of the food. It was pleasing to the eye, lust of the eye. And then the pride of life. She wanted to make her own decisions and not do what God told her to do and not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there is where it started right there. So we know this is the foundation for sin. <clears throat> and right into the New Testament, we see the Lord teaching us the exact same thing. James 1, 12 through 15. When tempted, 
No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. A lot of stuff in here. Let's break that down. First of all, we see God is not tempting anybody. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Evil is something outside of God, and God's never going to do evil. So we can't say God's tempting me. But it's very clear here that we are tempted when we're dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. Now, I don't believe that Satan can read our mind, but I do believe that he can see our actions and our body language. And so when we're tempted, if we have a desire for something, if we're looking at that, let's say we're looking at media that shows that, or we're going to places where that type of sin is, is prevalent, then he knows that that is a desire of ours, and then he can tempt us with it. So our evil desires are the things that draw us away, and we're enticed by them. So it's very important for us to know the Word of God, to know the difference between good and evil, and do what God asks us to do. Then Satan doesn't have uh, something to get uh, tempt us with. You know, Jesus said, Satan is coming just before his crucifixion. He said, Satan's coming, but he has nothing in me. And that's where God wants us to go. He wants us to go to a place where we are obedient to him and we are submitted to him so that we won't be uh, dragged away and enticed by our evil desires. In verse 15, it says, Then after desire has conceived and gives birth to sin. So once we decide, oh, I'm going to do that sin, that's the conception, and then we do the sin, and sin when it is full grown, that means when we keep on sinning the same thing again and again, for example, uh, maybe pornography, you look at it again and again, or you have an addiction and you're taking that that drug or that substance again and again, that's when uh, sin is full grown and it gives birth to death. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Let me read that real quick. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So the world is the world system that's opposed to God. And that world system is actually screaming at us in media, in, you know, the TV or Instagram, Facebook, whatever media that you're watching, there's going to be the world ways tucked in there. And we have to choose in that media God's ways and not the evil way. And so it's very important that we don't watch a bunch of stuff that is going to affect us, that's going to entice us, that's going to drag us away into sin. The world is screaming, and we have to put in some hearing protection and make sure that we are only hearing what God wants us to hear. And that takes some uh, discipline. 
It takes some uh, getting rid of stuff that we don't really need in our life. Next, we have uh, John talks about the lust of the flesh, the strong desire of the flesh, the strong desire of what we see. Wow, I see these people. They have, you know, a house or they have a certain thing that we want. And then we go after it. That's lust of the eyes and um, pride of life. Pride of life. I looked this up in the Greek and it, it means vain glory. We can glory in our life or we can glory in Christ and what Christ has done for us. So we're all going to die. In in uh, Psalms, it says that a rich man is a lie and a poor man is but a vapor. In other words, we're all going to die and we're all going to meet God and and go to that judgment, either the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment if we haven't received Christ. And so we're going to a judgment. What did we do in this life? Did we follow after God or did we not follow after him? Let's look at Hebrews 11, 25 and 26. And here the Hebrew writer is talking about Moses. It says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So Moses decided he had all the riches of Egypt. He could have stayed there, left the Israelites alone, left them in slavery, and he could have enjoyed the pleasures of Egypt, the greatest nation on the earth at that time. Just like us, we have all these riches around us, and we can depend on riches. But Jesus said, we can't serve two masters. We can only serve one. We'll either serve wealth or we will serve God. And in our richness as an American, and if you've ever traveled out of the country, you know even some very poor Americans are richer than those who are in very poor countries and are very poor. For example, India and places in China, there's some super poor people. They're just barely making it. Places in Africa, even South America and Brazil, very poor places. But we in the United States, we have riches. We have a, an abundance of good things. And if we depend on that, instead of depending on God, then we're missing what God wants for us. It doesn't mean that we don't need provisions. We need provisions. We need uh, money. We need to eat. We need a roof over our head, clothing and stuff like that. But what do we depend on? Moses depended on God, and he looked forward to his reward. Moses was looking forward. We are to look forward because we're going to leave this body. We're going to go to God, and we need to look forward to our reward that is in Christ. Moses was even willing to suffer persecution for his faith in God rather than the pleasures of this world. Very good uh, example for us, Moses. So that's kind of all the negative stuff. And there's plenty of negative stuff. We could go through quite a few verses uh, that the Bible tells us not to engage in the ways of this world, in the ways of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But how can we overcome that? How can we get away from that foundation of sin and live on the foundation 
of Jesus Christ and build our lives on that foundation of Christ. So I want to give you three points here so that uh, we can overcome. Number one is when we sin, we simply need to repent. 1 John 1.9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have to come to God. We have to humble ourselves, eat some humble pie, as they say, and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. And in that confession, you are recognizing that it is sin. And you are recognizing that you don't want to go back there. So there's a type of repentance in that confession. And then God forgives us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He gives us a new start. And this has happened to me so many times in my life. I I can't even imagine how many times. But I come to him and say, Lord, I've sinned. Please forgive me. And he cleanses me and he gets me back up on my feet and I can go on. So number one is repent. Number two is we have to pray. We have to come to God and have a conversation with him. And it's very important that we spend time with him to listen to him. Remember King David, uh, when he sinned against God by committing adultery with Bathsheba. When we think about that, he saw Bathsheba in the distance uh, bathing herself, lust of the eyes. And then he said, Bathsheba, I want you to come up here, lust of the flesh. He wanted to have sex with her, so he did. And then he went off and uh, the pride of life. He was the king and he had Bathsheba's husband killed. He had every foundation of sin working against him. And it was a terrible thing for him. But eventually, after a prophet came to him, the prophet Nathan came to him and said, you are the man who has sinned against God in this way. At that time, David confessed his sin, and then he prayed to God. There's several different Psalms that he wrote during this time. And he said in one of them, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me because he knew he had sinned. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Please, Lord, I repent. I come back to you. And so David was known as a man after God's own heart. And even though he sinned in this way, and there were circumstances to his sin, the sword never left his family. And he and um I don't know if this is the right word, but he embarrassed God or he made God look bad because he was this great man of God and he fell by the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But he came back. So we need that intimacy with the Lord. We need to pray to God, talk to him, get that interaction going. God has very good hearing and he can hear us well. And he even knows what's in our heart. So number one is repent. Number two is pray and have that intimate relationship with God. Number three is we need to know God's word. We need to study the Bible. We need to read the Bible. I know some of my friends that are young Christians, and they have barely read the Bible. And I encourage them to read the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is the word of God. Jesus said he was the word of God. So it's like God uh, is in the writing of the Bible. 
and we can see his personality and we can see his purpose and we can see his son. We can see his power, his mercy, and so on and so forth. So reading and studying the Bible is so important. And as we study it, we uh, listen to different versions. We study and read different versions. We look at the Greek and the Hebrew words so that we can see the exact thing that God is trying to tell us. Wonderful, wonderful to have the Word of God filling our mind and our spirit. Romans 12, 1 through 3, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that then you are able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here God is saying uh, to us, because of his mercy, because he saved us, because he's given us his word, because he's given us his son and, and raised his son from the dead and given us new life, all of this mercy is upon us. We are to be living sacrifices. Jesus gave his whole life, his body, his life was given up. But we are to live as a sacrifice. And in so doing, we are to study the word of God and we are to read it and pray, be in worship before God so that we can know him. This way, the world will not be so important to us. God's ways will be more important to us. And that is why he tells us to be a living sacrifice and change the way we think by his word so we can be pleasing to him. Second Timothy 2.15, it says, do your best to present yourself as, uh, present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not to be uh, does not need to be ashamed and who accurately handles the word of truth. Let me say that again. Do your best to present yourself to God, one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So here, Paul is talking to Timothy. If you want to go on in God and be a good minister and be a good brother in Christ, know the word of God. So the foundations are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, the vain glory of life. That's the foundation. And the antidote is intimacy with God, to worship him, to know his word, to pray, to fellowship with other believers is very important. To get in a group of people who are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. John tells us that in John chapter 4, that God is spirit, and he desires those who worship him to worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's very important to get in a fellowship where they're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And of course, your time with him alone is probably the most important time as you read and study the Bible and you pray in your closet. Jesus said, if we go to our closet, close the door, and pray to God in secret, then we will receive reward for that. There's no fear in love. God is love. And as we learn about these 
of this foundation of sin. It can raise up a little bit of fear, but do not fear. For God is love. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to draw us close to him. So now that we know the foundations of sin, we can pay attention. Are we lusting after the flesh or are we seeing things that we want? Or are we proud in our hearts saying, you know, we're really somebody special and depending on our own wealth? That way we want to get away from that and get to God close to him. This is the Clean Soul Podcast. I'm Dennis Curtis, and you can reach me at thecleansoul.org. And I'm also, uh, this will be an audio podcast that you can listen to at your favorite audio podcast provider.